presence through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You can be seated. Amen. <clears throat> As you are being seated, uh, go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians this morning. 1 Corinthians. Uh, we are going to start in um, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. You can turn there. So as you're turning there, just a couple of things quickly. Uh, um, I was thinking, you know, I've watched you know, services and I've watched through the years preachers in the beginning of the service and preachers get up and they make announcements and they, you know, they don't use any paper, you know, they just make announcements. Others get up and they read it off the paper and I said, I don't want to be that guy that reads it off the paper and apparently I need to be that guy that reads it off the paper. <laughs> but, but, but anyways, uh, uh, but with that in mind, just a couple of things I want to, I want to stress uh, very quickly and just kind of come back to it. We will, Sunday school next week, 9.15 in here, it's, it's adult Sunday school, we're not redoing children's Sunday school yet. Um, if you're comfortable bringing a child in, that's, that's fine. It's going to be a long Sunday school and the worship service, however you need to do that. If you have questions about that, reach out to us. Again, your elders, we're trying to make these decisions. And the hardest thing to keep clean in the church is the children's area. Amen. That's why we're not doing children's Sunday school just yet. But we want you to come and we want you to be comfortable. So, again, if you have any questions about that, please let us know. We all meet in here. Um, and the youth, uh, Mike is working on, the students. I think, uh, are, are y'all going to, did y'all decide y'all are going to meet in here next week, or are y'all going to meet on your own in here, right? So the students are starting in here with us for Sunday school, and the books are outside on the table out there. That was what I forgot to mention, so yes, ma'am? Okay, so if those are all gone, if you didn't get one, we've got more, you can come by the church and pick those up, and, and, and we'll make sure and, and get those to you uh, so you can be ready for next Sunday. So amen. All right, and with that in mind, I just want to stress again the, the daily devotion, what the Mike's doing with the youth. Pray for your student ministry. Pray for the youth. As many of them schools are starting back open, still not sure what's going on there, and different things. So pray for them. And uh, if you want to be a part of that daily quiet time, what I like is the fact that back in the old days, the old Puritan preachers in the early days of America, it was common practice that if a church member encountered another church member but especially if the pastor encountered a church member uh, in the community during the week the pastor would ask that church member how is God speaking to you in your daily quiet time today and and if a church member couldn't answer the question that it, it could actually become a point of church discipline now could you imagine you do imagine that today amen you know well how's the Lord what did you read in your Bible today that's none of your business <laughs> Amen? You know, it's a lot different. But, uh, but the reality was, too, and just so you know, church members could actually ask their pastor the same question. How is the Lord speaking to you today? Amen. And the reason for that is, is because the church cared about each other. They were concerned about their spiritual growth. Amen? It's one of the greatest things you and I can do is care about each other and how we grow spiritually. So with that in mind, I just want to hit those two things real quickly. And, and as we go to... Um, as we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9 this morning, here's the title of my message. We shall wear a crown. That's the title of my message. We shall wear a crown. Amen? I don't know about you, but I'm excited about the fact Jesus is coming back one day. Amen? Um, uh, um, uh, I, I totally lost my... Th that, went, that, one, that thought went fast. Amen? I, I, I was, maybe I was listening for the trumpet. I was, I was hoping maybe I would say that and we could just go home. That would be great. Amen? But I'm, I'm excited about the fact that Jesus is coming back one day. But, uh, but when he comes back, we're going to stand before him. Uh, I'm excited about the fact that, that everything we do for God in this life, he sees it, he knows it, that there's a reward, that there's a blessing that comes from serving God and for living for Christ that nobody else will ever know. Amen. 
that being a child of God carries with it certain blessings. Now, I was going to preach originally a little bit. i got to get rolling here because I was going to preach on the judgment seat of Christ this morning, and I just felt like this is where the Spirit was leading us. And I, and, and I don't know if I persuaded the Lord or He persuaded me, but I wanted to talk about these five. I wanted to talk about these crowns. Amen. And, and in the Bible, there are actually five crowns mentioned in the New Testament. Amen. Five crowns that are mentioned in the New Testament. And so, uh, and so with that in mind, I want to say a couple things as you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and we're going to look at the first crown. There's, there's two types of crowns that, that you can get in life. There's the, there's the personal crown, and then there's the popular crown. All right, the personal crown is just that. It's your crown. It's something that you work for. It's something that you want to achieve. It's something that you put value on. Like if you've ever heard somebody point to something in their life and say, you know, that is the crowning achievement of my life. You've heard that phrase, right? Amen? So when, when you have that personal crown, it's something that you set for yourself that, that's going to mark who you are and how you want your life to be marked. And some of those crowns can, can be good crowns, uh, crowns of integrity and crowns of character. But sometimes men will set for themselves a personal crown that has value and merit in this world only so that when this world ends and when their life ends, the crown ceases to be of significance. Amen. But there's another crown, that popular crown. The popular crown is a crown that is bestowed upon us by somebody else. The popular crown is a crown that everybody puts value in. That's good, amen? You know, even in, the, you know, even in England today, they're still excited about the fact that they have a monarchy. It's not what it used to be. But they love the fact, England loves the fact that they have a queen. who sit there. There's the queen of England, and she wears a crown. Amen. And, and I don't know about you, but as I study the Bible and I think about royalty, I, I, I wouldn't have minded being, having been born a, a duke. I mean, I wouldn't have minded having been born an heir to the throne of... Amen. I, I look, and they make movies about that. They make movies about kings and queens and, 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 and kids who are born into the, into the royalty, and they don't want the royalty. They want to be free. And I'm like, no, I'll take the royalty, man. I'll, amen. I'll take that all day long. But uh, uh, I was going somewhere with that as well. But anyways, there's crowns. There's crowns that we, as a world, look at and we honor and we recognize that. And, and originally, monarchies carried their value. And, and even today in England, they recognize the crown of England because we recognize that if you're a king or a queen in this world, that the monarchy is established by God. And I want to say this, that the only crowns that matter in life are the crowns that are given to us by God. And there are five crowns. And the beauty of these crowns is they do not perish and they do not fade away. Amen? So I don't seek the personal crown. It's okay to seek the personal crown, but I want the popular crown, the crown that God bestows upon us and the crown that we look at and recognize as having value because of who it comes from and what the crown represents. Now, I don't seek the crown for the sake of the crown. Amen? I seek the crown because of what the crown represents. And reality is, if we, if we seek the crown, we have to be very careful because it's, it does, it's, it's just a, a small step from seeking the crown because of what the crown represents versus seeking the crown so that when people look at us and go, oh, look at his crown, look at her crown, amen? No, we want people to say, not look at us, not look at what we're doing, but I'm going to go ahead and give you a spoiler alert. We want people to look at us and say, look at what God is doing in their life. Look at what Jesus is doing in their life. 
So with that in mind, there's five crowns that I want to look at this morning, five popular crowns, five crowns that anyone can earn, but ultimately it's earned simply by obedience to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's a crown that, uh, that we can never achieve for ourselves and say, look, I have achieved this, I have earned this. No, it's a crown that must be bestowed upon us from our God. So with that in mind, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25 to 27. And... Uh, let me go ahead and read that, and then i got to back up and give us one more thing. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25 through 27. It says that every man that strives for the mastery is temperate or controlled or disciplined in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. Therefore I run, not uncertainly... So fight I, not as one that beats the air, but I keep under my body and bring it under subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Now these crowns are labeled for us in the scripture, and if you read this passage with me carefully, you see very clearly that the first crown here in verse 25 is the incorruptible crown. It's the incorruptible crown. And these five crowns are all different crowns and they're earned a different way. And if you read this passage, you see very clearly that the incorruptible crown is the person who has conquered or gained mastery over his flesh in this world. The incorruptible crown is for the person who gets victory over their fleshly nature. And I just want to go ahead and tell you, beloved, that if you think you've earned that crown already, you haven't. <laughs> Neither have I. Amen. This crown, you won't know, and I won't know if we get this crown until we get to heaven. This is not, a, this is not a, a, a competition. This is not a crown we can earn if we stop at any point. The moment that we stop realizing that we live in a broken, sinful world, and at any given moment our flesh wants to conquer us, and the devil wants to get a victory over us, the moment you stop running, you lose the race. And so this incorruptible crown, it, it, it's just like the race. It, it, the incorruptible crown, it doesn't corrupt. It has, it'll, it's going to last forever. Well, the race would last forever were it not for one defining point, and that is the end of our life as it is marked by God. And until that day, beloved, you and I run the race. Amen. And we don't just run it. We run it diligently. The Bible says that uh, every man that strives for the mastery, that King James word, striveth, it's the, it's the Greek word. You're going to recognize this. It's the Greek word agonizai. Agonizai. It's the Greek word for agonize. Everyone who wants, you, you take an athlete, uh, you take someone who's an Olympic athlete, you take someone who, who strives to, to be in the Olympics just to get there, and then who strives to actually win uh, one of the three medals, and then uh, uh, who, who does that. They don't do that. They don't just get up one day and decide, I'm going to go out and be a gold medalist. They have to strive for it. They agonize over it. They have tired muscles and aching body. They get up before we do. They, they go to sleep after we do. They have incredibly different schedules because they are mastering. They're trying to bring their physical body under mastery so that they can win a competition and get a crown, which the Bible says will fade away. Now, beloved, we are to be spiritual athletes. We are to discipline ourselves just like a physical athlete. We are to discipline ourselves spiritually. We ought to strive in our soul and in our innermost being to put aside the flesh and to be the people that God wants us to be. And there's a crown waiting for us at the end of our life if we do that. Now, the question is this. How, how, how perfect do you have to be? Here's, here's what I love. I'm going to give you this one's free. This is, I'll, give this, I'll, go ahead, I'll go and give it to us now so I don't forget. Amen? 
in the Olympics, you got, you got three winners, right? You get 50 people, 100 people in the competition, you get three winners. Doesn't seem fair to me. <laughs> I think if a man trains his whole life, you ought to get something, amen? You know, I think you ought to get a participation. I think, amen, I just, no, I don't. <laughs> That's, that was, I don't know what that was. But, but there's three of them, all these people striving, and three of them get the medal, and they get a gold and a silver and a bronze medal. Can I tell you? They, they say gold doesn't tarnish. Uh, no, but it will fade away. Amen? An earthly medal doesn't last. Uh, an earthly, and, and here's the sad thing. I've turned on the news before, and I've scrolled through the Internet, and I've seen little articles pop up where someone who was once a world-class, world-class athlete who'd strived and labored so hard to win a medal and actually won a medal, but their life was so broken that they are now trying to sell that metal just to put a roof over their head or put food on the table. Oh, beloved, when you and I labor for God, there's a crown, there's a reward that's waiting for us that doesn't cost us anything in this life other than the daily discipline of walking with God. Amen. And, 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 and it's a reward that will last forever. Strives, agonizes. Now, I love this. It says they do it with... They do it, um, not as uncertainly, but they do it with certainty. Not uncertainly. They know. They know the challenge. They know the track. The runner knows the boundaries. When I was driving school bus last year, uh, I had a field trip that was assigned to me for the track team. And I took the track team out on a Friday night. We went over to a park out in Douglasville. I don't remember where it was. And it was where they had a big uh, woods track, and they were going to use it for a cross-country track. And they had a competition coming up the following morning, that next Saturday morning, there was a competition. They were hosting it. And so the coach took his team out there and they ran the track so they could get familiar with the track. And, my, and, and I drove them out. They got off the bus and I sat there and I watched as they ran off into the woods. And then here I am, me in a big yellow bus and nobody else anywhere around. And I waited for a good hour before I finally saw them starting to come back. To, oh, they're coming back. No, they just went and then they went back into the woods again. So after two hours, they finally came back and they had run that track. They had run, why? So they could get familiar with the course so that they could race the next day being prepared. Amen? Beloved, you and I are to run with certainty. We're to read our, you read the Bible, listen to this, beloved. You read the Bible today. You have your daily quiet time today, not for what you're going to face today, but for what you're going to face tomorrow. Amen? Well, today's going to be an easy day. I don't need to read my Bible. Well, that might be true, but you don't know, beloved, that what you read today is what helps you get through something you haven't even faced yet. Amen? Need to get familiar with the track. Need this incorruptible crown. I love it. And I love the fact that they fight, not as one who who beats the air. I fight, not as one that beats. Could you imagine a boxing match with one person? Could you imagine one person steps in the ring, the bell rings? And here's the, here's the challenger, and, and here's the defender, and there's nobody there, and the bell rings, and he's just, and the guy in the middle of the ring, and he's just swinging at the air. Well, that would be strange, wouldn't it? And yet that's what, that's what Paul writes to the Corinthians here, and he says, sometimes in church, we don't even know who our enemy is. And we swing wildly instead of swinging with a plan. Can I, can I just say this to you, beloved, then we'll move on quickly. If we're not careful, if we don't realize that this, this crown is to master my flesh, it's to overcome the corruption in my life, to keep my body and bring my... When you're running and when you're striving for this crown, you're trying to keep your body under subjection, not the body of your brother or sister in Christ. So here's the thing, beloved. If we swing wildly in this battle pursuing this crown, if we're not careful, we will accidentally, or sadly sometimes intentionally, 
strike a brother or sister and make it more challenging and more difficult for them to continue running the race. No, beloved, know that the first thing you and I have to do is bring our flesh into subjection. The first crown is the incorruptible crown. And as one preacher said, there are too many Christians who have long since quit fighting the flesh and all they have time to do now is swing wildly at other saints in the body of Christ. Now the incorruptible crown, beloved, is the crown for us. Now the second crown, the second crown, turn to Revelation chapter 2 uh, and, then, uh, and then we're going to look at James chapter 1 also. The second crown, I love this crown, and, and uh, Revelation chapter 2 verse 10, and I don't have it, so I'll, uh, if it's up there I'll read. There we go. Revelation chapter 2.10 talks about in Revelation, uh, it says, Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested and you will have tribulation ten days, but be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. That's the second crown. It's the crown of life. And the crown of life, beloved, is reserved for those Christians who endure persecution and affliction in this world. Now, now that's where he writes to one of the churches in Revelation chapter 2, but then he also says this in James chapter 1 and verse 12, and this is the one that I have. James chapter 1 and verse 12 says, Blessed is the man that endures temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life. So, by the way, this crown mentioned twice in the New Testament. Okay? Which the Lord has promised to them that love him. So the crown of, and by the way, not mark that phrase, to them that love him. That word love is going to appear later in another crown. As you begin to look at these crowns, you're going to find how they're all interrelated and how they weave together. And so this crown is the crown of life. And, and the Bible says that to those who are tried, when he is tried, he shall receive. That word tried there, it means to test, to examine. It particularly relates to our dependence upon the Holy Spirit. This is important. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. When he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life. The man who realizes that there are going to be some things that you and I are going to face in this life, and the only way we'll be able to face those things is through the power of the Holy Spirit. The only way that you're going to be able to endure something is if you know and you are certain that you are a child of God and that your life belongs to Him. Because the Bible tells us, that, and this was 2,000 years ago, and it's happening today, the Bible tells us that for some of us who live godly, who go back to that first crown, try to conquer the flesh, try to live a life that honors and glorifies God. We try to show the world who Jesus is. The world is going to hate us. The world is going to persecute us. You're going to be tried. You and I are going to be tested. And we're going to show the world one of two things when that moment comes. We're going to show the world when that moment comes whether or not we're trusting in God or trusting in the world. Because I'm going to tell you right now, when you're threatened with prison and even death, the world says, deny Christ, deny what you believe, or we're going to do this to you. And, and, and as throughout history, people have done that. They've said, I'll recant, I'll deny, I'll walk away. All that says to me, beloved, is that they were never a child of God to begin with. But history is full. History is full of the testimonies of men and women who've said, in one way or another, how could I ever deny the Jesus who would not deny me? 
How could I ever turn away from the one who gave his life for me so that I could have eternal life, so that I could have a home in heaven? And history is full of men and women who looked when they were facing persecution and said, I will not deny Jesus. Now, I love this crown for two reasons. Because number one, this crown is guaranteed. It's guaranteed. Revelation and, 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 and James, it's guaranteed to the person who, who ultimately gives the greatest price that you could ever give in living for Jesus, and that's to give your life as a martyr for Jesus Christ. There are people who have been put to death for their faith in Jesus Christ, and the Bible tells us there's a crown waiting for them in heaven. And even today, even today we're told, and I looked at this because I wanted to check the numbers again, we're told that over a span of about uh, of about 10 years, there was like a, a million people that were martyred in, 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 in the world for their faith, but there were some key wars going on. It worked out to about 100,000 a year. And for a while there, it, it got out in the news that, that Christians were saying that 100,000 Christians are murdered every year for their faith in Jesus Christ. And, and, and the reality is, we don't know how many people give their lives every year for their faith in Jesus Christ. Because there are wars being fought in secret places in countries that we don't know about, and there are wars and, and being fought in places that the news won't cover because we're the church and they don't care about us. But I want to tell you, beloved, I want to tell you that if you're a child of God, whatever price you pay for him, he sees it, he knows it, and for that person who ultimately gives their life, God says, I've got a special crown waiting for you when you get to heaven. I love that, beloved. I love that. There is no price that you and I can pay in this life that will be too great. Nothing that we can surrender or give up. And so he says, uh, and by the way, this isn't being, this doesn't say when we're persecuted uh, for, for, for being foolish and arrogant. It doesn't say we're being persecuted and we're being tried for our faith because we're being unloving people. Amen. Not talking about a Christian. My, my wife will tell you, we've known people, we've known people who would, they had certain attitudes, and, and they would tell you they were Christian. And, and if anybody, anybody said anything bad about them, they'd say, well, I'm being persecuted for my faith. And I would know you, you're being persecuted because you're annoying. It ain't got nothing to do with your faith in Jesus. People just don't like you. That's just, you could not be a Christian, and people still wouldn't like you. That's the problem. Amen. No, we're talking about people who genuinely love God, love other people, and you're trying to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. And, beloved, the world does not want to see a man or a woman who lives by faith in God. Because when you live by faith in God, you will succeed at things that nobody else can. And the world doesn't like it, and unbelievers don't like it, and the devil doesn't like it when we make them look bad simply by being obedient to Jesus Christ. Well, I stuck on that crown a little bit longer than I wanted to. That's the crown of life. Here's the third crown. Turn to 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4, verse 8. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8. I love this one. Now we said... Well, well, we'll get to it. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. It says, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. See, the third crown is the crown of righteousness. And who is it reserved for? It says it very clearly. And this is interesting. It is the crown that is reserved for the person who loves the second coming of Jesus Christ. This is one of the easiest crowns you can ever, ever amen? It's one of the easiest crowns you could ever, all you got to do is get up each day and go, man, I love, this could be the day. This could be the day, amen? 
All you got to do is get up and this could be the day. You get up and you hear about a virus and you go, this could be the day. Amen. You get up and you, you, you hear about two hurricanes hitting the Gulf Coast. And you know, amen. And this could be the day. You get up and you hear about some thing, some catastrophe, some calamity, another war, another, uh, another act. And you think as you look at this broken world that this could be the day. And you get excited about the fact that one day everything that is wrong with this world is going to be made right because Jesus is coming back and you love that and you long for that that's the crown of righteousness and it's not just people who know he's coming back it's people who love the fact that he's coming amen I'm not just excited about the fact that he's coming back I can't wait for him to come back amen and 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 thank you amen I'm telling you listen I I I, I, a couple weeks ago we did the whole I can't I can't jump I can't jump I want to jump. I want to leap so bad. I heard a preacher one time, and he talked about this, talked about Jesus. He talked about rapture practice. I think I shared this with you before. He said every now and then he'd get so excited about Jesus coming back, he'd go out and stand in his backyard, and he'd just start jumping. He said, my goal is that when the trumpet sounds, I want to be halfway off the ground. Hallelujah. Amen. Let me tell you, beloved, love his appearing. Love the fact that he's out. There was an old Christian comedian who used to tell the story. He used to talk about how the fact that when Jesus comes back, and we're going to get to that crown in just a minute, he, he witnessed, he told people about Jesus. Jesus is coming back. We need to tell the world. We need to tell the world, yes, it's broken right now. You think things are bad right now, but I'm going to tell you there's a day when it's going to get better, and it's only going to get better because of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. That's the message we have for the world. Amen. And this old comedian used to tell a story about it. I'd tell people about Jesus. He says, this is how I want it to happen. I want when Jesus, I'm getting ahead of myself, but that's okay. When Jesus comes back, I want to be telling somebody about Jesus. Amen. In fact, when the rapture occurs, I want to be able to grab a sinner in each hand. And as we're flying through the air, say, do you guys get saved or do I let go? <laughs> Love his appearing, beloved. Love his appearing. Live in such a way that when Jesus comes back, we're not ashamed of how we live, but we're proud in Christ and in the Holy Spirit that by the grace of God, we live the life that honored him. Amen? See, it says a crown of righteousness. The righteous judge will give me and unto all them that love his appearing. Can I just say this and then we'll move on to the fourth crown. This crown of righteousness, loving his appearing, is more than just rapture practice. It's more than just getting up and getting excited about the fact that this could be the day. But it's living a righteous life that honors the righteous Jesus who gave his life to deliver us from sin to begin with. Amen. If I love his appearing, if I truly love his appearing, then there's just going to be certain movies I won't watch, certain books I won't read, certain jokes that I won't like. There's going to be certain things in this world, certain things that I won't have a part with because I know going back to that first crown, it feeds the flesh. And that doesn't honor God. Amen. Well, here's the fourth crown. Here's the fourth crown. Turn to 1 Peter, uh, 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 2 through 4. Now, I like this crown. I'm going to tell you why I like this crown. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2 through 4. I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to tell you why I like this crown. This is my favorite crown. Of the, well, it's not my favorite crown. It's, it's a crown. All right, I'm going to hear 1 Peter chapter 5, chapter 2. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, 
you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. And here's the fourth crown. It's called the crown of glory. And there's another name for this crown. We call it the shepherd's crown. You know why we call it the shepherd's crown? Because it goes to those who shepherd the flock. Some have called it the pastor's crown, but I, I'm going I'm to open that up just a little bit. If you have ever, if you have ever been faithful in shepherding someone in the body of Christ, you get a part in this crown too. The shepherd's crown, though, ultimately is the one that when I think about, when it reminds me of the fact that, that what I do, when I stand up and preach the word of God, it's not about lifting me up, it's about lifting Jesus up. Whenever I think about this crown, it reminds me, when I'm preparing sermons and I got, man, this would be a great sermon. I, I could preach this sermon. I, they would, this would be a great sermon and, and everybody would love it. No, I'm gonna, this is great, one of the best sermons I've ever written. Everybody's going to say amen. And this would be great and this sermon's all about me. And then, and then that verse pops into the back of my mind about the shepherd's crown and shepherding the flock. And the Holy Spirit says, do you really want the message to be about you? No, I want the message to be about Jesus. Amen. Beloved, you and I have the, the privilege of shepherding other people, but the shepherds, the shepherds, and, and sometimes the most neglected person who, who's in the church and in the ministry is the shepherds. We do not, and I say this not just because I've been a pastor, but I remember what it was like when I was a church member, and I know what it's like and what I've seen in the church, and sometimes the men that God has gifted to lead us as shepherds of the flock are men that we usually treat with the least amount of respect and dignity. And I'm not going to tell you story after story of all the horrible things that I've heard churches do to pastors, but I would tell you this morning that for all of those stories, I've got many, many more of churches that loved their shepherd, loved the pastor of the flock of God, prayed for him and encouraged him. And so I say that this morning because you are getting close to calling your next senior shepherd. And I want you, as one old preacher said when he gets here, I want you to love the fool out of him because there's going to be plenty of fool in him. You've got a shepherd that you've been praying. You've put up with me for over a year now so that God could bring you this man. Amen. And when he gets here, you love him and you pray for him and you know that he's been given and accepted a task that most men would walk away from. And that is to make sure that you are being fed and led to walk closer to Jesus Christ and honor and glorify God with your lives, to protect you, to stand at the door and keep the wolves away. It's a powerful, wonderful thing, and God has reserved a crown for the faithful shepherd. Somebody once said there's four people that people really don't like or trust in this world. Lawyers, politicians, used car salesmen, and preachers. <laughs> I don't know how we got lumped into that, but I heard a pastor say this one time. God help the bivocational pastor who works in the legal department of a used car lot and serves on the city council. <laughs> oh, beloved, there's a crown. There's a crown for those who shepherd us. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what Billy Graham's crown looks like? Can you imagine? But the crowns, and, and we could start naming pastors, right? We've got men this year that have been called home. Ravi Zacharias called home. All the men that we can think of that have gone to be with Jesus, and there's a crown. Well, here's the fifth crown. Turn here, and, and, and we'll be 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, 19 through 20. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, 19 through 20. Here's the final crown. <laughs> For what is our hope? or joy, or crown of rejoicing. 
Are not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. And the fifth crown, beloved, is the crown of rejoicing. There's another name for this crown. We call it the soul winner's crown. Now let me give you this. We talked about the popular crown. We talked about the personal crown. We talked about the fact that there are some crowns that you can hold in your hand that you can actually put on your head. And I think the Bible tells us, we didn't preach this message. Well, I was going to preach and we skipped it. The Bible tells us we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Amen. There's a day coming for us as the children of God when we will stand before our Jesus at a judgment seat, the Bema seat. It's the, it's the seat where the Olympians would stand before the judge and receive their rewards. And by the way, in the Old Testament, uh, back in the day when they used to run races, and everything when they used to, it's not like we do the Olympics today it's not like we have and, and it's not like they also you also didn't just get a, a, a participation reward but when you stood before that judge if you ran the race if you participated well enough you still received recognition from the from the overseer of the games so that even those who strived and didn't win the competition still received recognition for what they had done amen but then the winner got the laurel wreath that he could put on his head but what about everyone? what about that I love this crown, beloved, because of all the crowns, this crown, this crown, beloved, is not a visible crown that you put on your head. This crown, beloved, is not a crown that can ever be taken away from us or fade away. And, and the crowns in heaven, the Bible tells us, I'm getting there, the Bible tells us that I saw the elders around the throne. And, and the Bible says they took their crowns and they cast them at the feet of Jesus. And we've sung the song, we shall cast our crowns at Jesus' feet. We know that. Amen. And so all these, everything that we're, we're going to take, everything we're going to work, we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We're going to be tried. The Bible says our works will be tried. And I'm going to give you this free. This is a sermon I was going to preach, but I didn't want to preach it, but I'm going to give you part of it anyways. Amen. The Bible says their works shall be trialed, tried. You won't be tried. Your works will be tried. Our works will be tried. We can't be tried because Jesus was tried for us. Hallelujah. But our works will be tried. Everything that we've done or failed doing, the Bible says that everything we've done that was for the Lord, that was good, will produce gold, silver, and precious, gems, precious stones, precious gems. And the things that were done in the flesh, the things that didn't matter, that, that, that were done in the world, will produce wood, hay, and stubble, and will burn up and produce nothing but ash. I'm going to tell you, beloved, that when we stand before that judgment seat as Christians, we're going to have different piles of ash and gemstones in our life. We're going to have different rewards. But if you are a child of God, if you are faithful to Jesus, there is a reward waiting for you. And the thing is, it doesn't matter. You're not going to have time to compare your pile with anybody else's pile because the Bible says that every reward we get will be given back to the Jesus who saved us and made all that we've ever done possible to begin with. But this crown, this crown is a crown of people. This is the crown of people that will be surrounding us when we get to heaven. These are the people in the church of Jesus Christ that we loved, that we either led to Jesus or helped them grow in Christ. What is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? It is you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming. It is when you and I in heaven look around and we stand with church members that we labored with and struggled with and we all got there by the grace of God. And one of the greatest joys in heaven isn't going to be all the times we failed it's going to be the fact that we made it in spite of ourselves so my old preacher said there's gonna be a lot of things that surprise us when we get to heaven who is there who isn't there and the fact that you're there 
Amen, beloved. When we get to heaven, we're going to realize that all the struggles in life that we had, when we made it to heaven, we made it not because of who we are, but because of who Jesus is. I love this crown because this crown is the crown. Let me give it to you this way. Years ago, years ago, a man wrote a song, a little song, two words in the title. It's called, Thank You. Now, you know the song. It says, thank you for giving to the Lord. I am a life that was changed. Thank you for giving to the Lord. Can I just, can I just say this, beloved? You may never be a missionary, but every time you put a dollar in the offering plate to send a missionary to the mission field for the reward that that missionary gets, you get a part of it too. Amen? That when you get to heaven, there are going to be people who are going to be there that you and I don't even know because of something we did or said to somebody else, and God took that and ran with it. And our crown of rejoicing, this fifth crown, this final crown, is the crown when you and I get to heaven. And I want to tell you this, beloved, I want you to be encouraged this morning, not discouraged why I want to preach this message, just to get to this one crown. If you don't think your life is amounting to anything, if you don't think you've accomplished much for Jesus, if you think you can do more, strive and do more, amen. But know this, when you get to heaven, there are going to be people there that you don't even know how they got there but they got there because of something you did and didn't even know it in Jesus name and that's going to be your joy amen you, you look at the church right now and, and church is going through transition and you're getting ready to call a new pastor and you look at everything this church has been doing it's easy to look at the things maybe we could have done this should have tried this why well, didn't do this what about this and that and you will forget all of that when you get to heaven and somebody walks up to you and says hey let me introduce myself and you've never met them before and they begin to tell the story of how they got to heaven and after tracing it back, it comes to something you said or did in a church service or in somebody's life. I had a boss when I took my very first mission trip to uh, my first mission trip to, it was my second trip, mission trip to Moldova. And I was working for Pee Wee's Portable Sheds. Pee Wee's, we made sheds. Portable sheds. You gathered that. All right. My boss's name was Pee Wee. It was Pee Wee's Portable Sheds. I'm trying to close. He, he knew I was taking this mission trip. He knew as a preacher. We talked about the Lord. You know, he said he knew the Lord. We didn't really get him in church. I don't, I don't know. We were talking about that. We drove past his business the other day. But I remember one day, uh, I remember I was getting ready to take the mission trip. And, uh, and I remember that he, uh, he, and his, uh, he and his wife, they, they, they gave me an envelope and said, just use this on your mission trip. And it was, it was $100. And, uh, and he gave that, to, and he told me this, he said, this isn't for the, he said, this isn't, use, I know the mission trip's right, this is for you to have to use on the mission, do, do something, whatever you need to do with it while you're in Moldova or whatever. And, and I remember thinking about that, and, and, and I haven't seen him in years, I don't know where, where life has taken him, but I know this, I know that if he was the Christian that he said he was, amen, and if I know Anything, I know that that little bit that he gave me that sent me to Moldova and all the work that I did in the seven day and all the fruit and the results that came of that stored up for a treasure for him in heaven that he doesn't even know about, that I don't even know about. Amen. Can I give it to you? It's even better than that. I'll close with this. I'm pl I promise I'm closing with this. Do you know there's a reason why you don't get your rewards as soon as you leave this world and go to be with Jesus and go to heaven? You want to know why when you get to heaven, the first thing that happens when you walk in, Jesus doesn't hand you your crown and hand you your reward. You want to know why? It's because even though you're there, your works are still going on behind you. Amen.
can't give you a reward yet because your work's not done. You say, but I'm in heaven, I'm done. No, you touch somebody's life that you don't even know about and they're doing something for God and they're earning a reward that down the road. Can I just say to you, the single best pyramid, pyramid scheme ever came from heaven and it ain't a scheme, amen? If you can just get one under you and they can get two and they can get four and they get eight by the time, you will be a billionaire in heaven, hallelujah. It won't be about us. Who will it be about? It'll be about Jesus, amen? It's the crown of rejoicing. And I want you to get excited, church, this morning about the fact that God is doing something great right here at First Baptist Church of Mableton in your lives, in your churches, for our visitors, for those wherever you are and wherever we go as we go throughout our day and the rest of this week. You can rejoice because there's going to come a day when you're going to stand in heaven and somebody's going to walk up to you and it's going to put a smile on your face that you didn't even know about. That's the power and the beauty and the glory of the God we serve. Amen? Let's bow our heads.